0: Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. It's the 25-minute hurry-up edition. Uh, after week one, we are, uh, Jason Kirk and I are watching the end of the Oklahoma-Houston game. So we're going to, uh, we'll just, we'll pad those stats. We'll just make it look like the game's already over. How about that? Yeah, this game's got a lot of stats already. So I don't know how yeah, much yeah. more. Yeah. There's a, it, it got pointsy. That's the, that's what we we'll use when we get to there. Uh, so here's what we're going to do, gang: 25 things, slash teams, slash ideas, 25 minutes. RIP S&P+. This is going to be our modified version. Uh, This is myself, Stephen Godfrey at 38Godfrey. This is uh, Jason Kirk. We are the Banner Society. This is Podcast Ain't Played Nobody. I am going to start the timer in just a second. Okay, starting now twenty-five minutes. Uh number one. So yeah, Auburn and their freshman quarterback Bo Nicks. They beat Oregon. Uh they came back. It was super awesome. Uh arguably the best game, I guess, in terms of like weight and and ranked teams and good football and close scores of the entire weekend. Um the thing that I'm kind of stuck on, Jason, uh is the decision with the timeouts on Mario Cristobal um obviously it was a really awesome pass to end the game although underthrown. everybody's being everybody's well actually the next day it's kind of rough on the kid but um the decision to call the timeouts and then Justin Herbert not being able to get in or out of the game on that fourth down call that seemed to be the thing
1: yeah when you take two timeouts to dial up that play it's sort of like maybe you needed three And this seems to be a little bit of a trend you know, we go back to the Stanford game last year when we had kind of a similar situation. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I mean, clearly crystal ball is excellent at building a program. You know, I don't know how you get better at these kinds of things though.
0: I, I, I would be shocked if a bunch of people who are doing sort of the armchair thing the next day really did know that if you, Called a timeout after the player leaves the game because of he was because he was attended to to stop the game for potential injury that he couldn't re-enter the game. That's what a lot of people were talking about in real time.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if we're all being honest, if someone walks up to you and asks you that question, yeah. <laughs> are you <laughs> certain you would have the right answer? Football's <laughs> got a lot
0: of rules, man. This is what always, this is what amazes me. and We'll move on because we're we're against the clock. What always amazes me is like all of the duties and intricacies of being a head coach, on top of the whole like recruiter Sven Gali thing. Like people are putting it on him because he's the head coach. Like someone has to go through that rule book every year and do all of these situations, and inevitably, like a weird thing like this happens, and all of a sudden he's like the biggest
1: idiot that I've ever coached. Yeah, I mean, it's probably somebody else's job to tell him that. So let's blame that person.
0: Uh, number two. This is my home cook stat. I I put this together while I was watching Houston and Oklahoma. Um, so there is literally in the in the modern post Phil Fulmer era, there is no comparison for the Tennessee loss to Georgia State. Um, so what I'm trying to illustrate here, Jason, you'll you can you can grade me on this. If you start with like the Lane Kiffin era, what what we've seen is basically like a a descending level of value and outrage. And what I mean by that is like in the Lane Kiffin era, fans were really, really mad at Tennessee because they lost by two to Alabama. Right. And then Derek, and then in Derek Dooley, it was like, well, you can only win like seven games, eight games. Like, and then Butch Jones is like, Oh, you can never beat a ranked team. And now it's this, like you've lost to Georgia state. So, uh, just really quick lanes there for one year. He goes to USC, Derek Dooley, all of his regular season losses, except one each year were to ranked teams. So like his first year, he lost to the number 7, 10, and 17 ranked teams. And then Georgia was the other loss. The next year, it's the same thing. You go on and on. I've wrote all this stuff out. But the bottom line is like by the time you get to Butch Jones, like his first year loses to nothing but ranked teams. And he has a four point loss to like arguably the best Vanderbilt team of all time. This is a new low. This is completely uncharted. And there's absolutely nothing they can do about Jeremy Pruitt's buyout right now.
1: Yeah, they've had bad losses in each of these eras, except really for Lance. He wasn't really there long enough for that. But like they haven't had all-time legendary bad losses. They just had a lot of them. So what
0: happened to both Butch and to uh Derek Dooley was that inevitably um they just got their ass kicked by Missouri. And that was sort of like the the final coffin on both of those guys where they would have like a back-to-back loss to Kentucky or Missouri. So it's week one. You've just lost to Georgia to Georgia State. If they were to lose to BYU, by precedent alone, they would have to fire him based on their behavior since they got rid of Phil Fulmer, and there's absolutely no way they can. Which makes them absolutely fascinating to watch for the rest of September in like a, in a non-football way because the football part was really, really ugly and they looked really weird on defense.
1: Yeah, like well, luckily Tennessee is always consistent and uh, internally uh, an internally consistent narrative, so there shouldn't yeah. be any any problem there.
0: Congrats on them going seven or no, by the way. Or seven and one after this, uh, okay. Number three and number four. I wanted to try and talk about this from both perspectives: uh, Boise State and Florida State. So, um, I stole some of this from our uh, our top whatever. But basically, <laughs> Boise State ran a hundred and eight place <laughs> against Florida State. Um, I tweeted out, "Hey, they ran a gimmick offense that was." Basically, the gimmick was that we're just gonna run right up your ass, and it worked. It worked really well. When they got away from it early, it didn't work. And then when they went back to it, um, they were just like flat out more consistent in what they were doing. Um, I guess also to bleed into number four here, like Florida State, explosive, awesome, exactly what you would expect with Kendall Briles, except when it didn't work. They were just handing the ball back to Boise over and over again. Then all of a sudden, like everyone stopped talking about how humid and, and hot it was and tough for Boise state to play,
1: <laughs> which we've, we've had that exact same thing happen before. That was the exact storyline of the DC game against Virginia tech. It's so yeah. humid. It's so humid. Oh, that doesn't matter. Uh, when you go one of 12 on third down, humidity is a little bit less of a factor.
0: Um, the freshman Bachmeyer. He threw fifty passes, uh, three fifty passes out of those hundred and eight plays. Um, so again, stealing from the top, whatever you can check out at the read option. The last time an FBS uh, team ran hundred and eight plays in one game was two thousand sixteen. Four teams did it. Uh, that was Cal, the Sonny Dykes Cal, not the current Cal, and uh, and Texas Tech and Air Raid. Um, James Blackman was actually really good in, in initially. Um, he had three touchdowns early on. Uh, he was he was exactly what you thought james blackman could be in kendall briles offense and then they had 68 yards total offense in the second half they just disappeared they completely disappeared
1: yeah they were hitting those bombs and turns out they only had like three of them
0: it was a very very strange way to see a kendall briles offense fall apart where it just you know sometimes it's stymied and then you don't get the big player for a while and this was just a complete and total disappearance um Number five, uh, yeah, as we alluded to, uh, Oklahoma just beat Houston. We can riff on this real fast. Um, that was about what I expected. I don't know if you expected. I mean, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, real good at football. Turns out he's probably going to be good with Lincoln Riley, uh, and those things happened.
1: Yeah, not a really a single surprise here, right? Like, no, not at all. Uh, start to finish, Jalen Hurts, um, Oklahoma with what it returns, Houston with what it lost you know, and, uh, particularly on defense, but yeah, uh, I, I don't think we really learned anything here. No, uh,
0: Dear King looked cool. Um, uh,
1: Houston's offense
0: looked pretty much like West Virginia's did last year, which is also what everyone expected. Obviously it's week one. So there's going to be a theme as we get through the 25. And that's basically that we don't know a lot. We really know very little in week one. And so we have to couch everything we think we know with it's week one. We're not going to over, we're not going to exaggerate. We're not going to overextend to come up with a theory after one football game, but this is definitely not like, a, oh, Oklahoma has fixed all its problems on defense. This was a Big
1: 12 football game, more or less. Yeah, it, it was an impressive start defensively, at least. I think it was something like four, three and out, something like that. Yeah. Once, once, you know, quarter, once Oklahoma really. can put up 21, if you have zero, that is a Got marked a improvement for Oklahoma. <laughs>
0: Yeah, kind of ball game at that point. Um but yeah, it was uh it was funny cuz it it did look like it was just going to be talent discrepancy and then it was like, okay, like, you know, Dane is used to this. Dane is used to going and playing these Big 12 games with like a roster that's maybe 60% as good. So, yeah. um number 6, I posit the question is UCLA bad? Or is Cincinnati good? Maybe it's just probably both. Um, I looked it up, and Cincinnati now, shout-out to Nippert Stadium. They haven't lost at home since November 10th of 2017. Uh, they only lost one game. This is my Les Miles logic here. They only lost one game last year in regulation, and that was to UCF. They lost in overtime to Temple. Uh, they're really – is, this is a really good program. Uh, this is with UCF uh, and then, you know – Boise now obviously like one of the the best teams that you have to mention when you do group of five and then like I'm just gonna be honest with you I don't know what I'm seeing at UCLA like I I know we're always supposed to have answers right now but like it's it looks like a really really slow maybe like still in an evaluation period like year zero plus one I don't know
1: yeah like coming in these were I think these two teams and Nebraska were the teams that I saw the least agreement on when it came to the preseason projections like you know the actual advanced stats projections like Cincinnati was a bit lower than you'd expect UCLA was a bit higher than you'd expect, at least in a lot of numbers, but they were both all over the place. So we at least got a, a you know, a step toward confirmation.
0: Um, c- Cincinnati a team that you want to like, you want to give them their moment and say, Hey, they've built really well. And they're like way ahead of schedule for, for a G five restructuring. Cause like Tommy just didn't recruit the last year and change, but UCLA is just more interesting to talk about. And, and, we don't I, I think a lot of casual fans probably expected Chip Kelly to come in and be like, all right, 65 points a game like they clearly are figuring it out. And and they don't particularly look like anything that he did at Oregon necessarily. That's what um, two Pac-12 coaches told me in the offseason. They're like, we don't really know what he's doing yet. And it looks like they don't know either. So uh, number seven and just an absolute ass of a game. Uh, forty-nine to nothing is the worst loss in USF's program uh, in their history. Obviously, they haven't been playing football for too long, but it was a pretty brutal game. Uh, They lost forty-nine to nothing. One more time to Wisconsin. Um, I would just say congrats to Wisconsin. They very much look like all of the other Wisconsin teams that we knew until like half of last year. Uh, but I don't know if I'd put much stock of anything uh, if you're a Badger fan. Blake Barnett was pulled on the last drive. It was the only drive. After he was pulled, it was the only drive that even got into Wisconsin territory. And so by virtue of this alone, they even had a, a pretty good crowd. I looked it up. They had like over 40,000 there for it. Most of them were USF fans. Like, so this is, this is a very much a hot seat thing and not an exaggeration in week one.
1: Shout out, by the uh, way, to fifth-year senior Blake, Blake Barnett at his third school on his fifth offensive coordinator, oh if you count man. Steve Sarkeesian. Uh, out there getting sacked four times on a 93-degree degree day with, like, an hour rain delay, like, it's okay, man. You're 23 years old.
0: If he's benched now and, like, is just in coming in in cleanup time or, or there's, like, an ongoing rotation of quarterbacks now as the whole thing falls apart, like, God, the motivation it would take to get up and do that shit every day. Um,
1: as an old man,
0: speaking of terrible quarterback things, uh, number eight USC, they did win. Um, a lot of us either jokingly or legitimately played around with the idea of USC starting like zero and five Oh, and six, potentially they are not going to do that. They did beat Fresno state. Um, obviously though they did lose JT Daniels, which that news came out on Sunday night. Uh, it was a torn MCL and an ACL injury. So I don't know exactly what that means, but the bottom line is he's out for the year. Um, I would read a couple of pieces that like, Oh, they really like the three-star kid behind them, which is awesome. But, um, I mean, their next five games are Stanford, BYU,
1: Utah, Washington, and Notre Dame. So this is probably it. Yeah. These games were coming into the season. These were like fun, losable games. Now it's not fun at all. Like, you know, if yeah. it falls apart because of an injury, that's not really a thing I'm going to point and laugh at, but, uh, this does make it more likely.
0: This isn't, yeah, I will say by losing him the entire color of the way we sort of like decide is this a funny thing or not has shifted dramatically because they're about to get smacked um number nine hey we're already running behind pace just like last year uh hey utah is good i wrote utah is good in an extremely utah way uh so their running back zach moss had over six yards of carry uh tyler huntley was like 13 to 16 it's like okay all right you're good you're fine like six
1: yards of completion perfect iowa passing or utah passing
0: same thing. And then the defense was just like, hey, we're going to make you look like a dumb asshole. That's, their, that's the entire defensive mantra. It's like half hitting you really hard and half making you look like, you know, or, or just making you smack yourself in the face. So I don't know if BYU is that bad, but like the second half of Utah was, it was, it was punchy. Sometimes that's literally, yeah. Speaking, uh, speaking of uh, looking fantastic, number 10. Hey, Nebraska, you're bad. Um, you're definitely not ranked but you are ranked. So I know I just used that super awesome ranked analogy, like breakthrough all the Tennessee losses and why that's impressive. But like, don't worry about rankings because they don't mean anything because Nebraska is ranked right now. Um, they scored 35. Uh, Mr. Kirk, two of those were on offense. And then three were uh, on turnovers and special teams. They had 66 yards in the second half. Again, I just wrote in my notes. Why are you ranked? You look bad because of their
1: fantastic special teams. Oh my god! And South
0: Alabama is not good either. This is just this is an awful game that for some reason I kept lingering on in the early morning time slot. I, I don't know. I was maybe expecting the big jump this year. It has not happened on offense. Hey, yet. they
1: are now beating Alabama G fives. This is Oof. a step forward.
0: Hmm. Uh number 11, number 12, number 13. Uh this is where we pick up the pace and catch up. Ohio State, Michigan and Penn State. Um y'all y'all are good. Y'all did fine. Everything is good there. <laughs> good job. Way to drop a 79. Was it Penn State? Way to show restraint there, Dicks. Um uh, <laughs> number 14, I'm including this only because I made the bad decision and I had to live with it, so now I'm going to share it with my audience. Uh I watched Georgia beat Vandy 30 to 6. Um, and I wrote, uh, this game felt inevitable the entire time and was paced like torture. Uh, Jake Fromm was 15 and 23. You don't need to know that he had one TD. You don't need to know that it was boring. Georgia ran all of their talented backs a lot. And I am convinced and might endeavor to find out like when coaches tell you stuff sort of after the fact, when it's not newsy anymore, I swear to God, it was like both teams knew, like, Vanderbilt can't win this game. Georgia is more, like, talented and physically impressive at every position. So we're just going to play this football game, and we're both going to run six plays, and we're just going to get the hell out of here. That was what that football game was.
1: A preseason game.
0: Yeah, it really was. And I still think Vanderbilt could go to a bowl this year because, I, st- I mean, the SEC East is a trash fire. I just think there was, like, a, a polite agreement amongst both teams, like, hey, this is a conference game. Let's not get banged up. <laughs> Uh, number fifteen. Uh, just for your inevitable national title game watch. Um, Alabama they started slow. Everyone made jokes. That's what we do. Then they were totally fine. Uh, they were five of five of scoring drive. They were five for five scoring period on their drives in the second half, and they blew out Duke. And then, um, oh my God, Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions, and then Clemson just beat the crap out of Georgia Tech as well. So
1: my know. favorite stat from that game is that Clemson rushed for four hundred and eleven at eight point four per carry. Oh, cool against the team that used to do that
0: oh man i was, I, I, I really want to believe that that was homage i really do like is pointing to the heavens as if paul was looking down
1: uh, uh-huh. yeah yeah up to appalachia heaven
0: <laughs> number 16 real fast texas beats louisiana tech 45 14 lsu beats georgia southern 55 to 3 Clemson, we just said they won fifty-two to fourteen, and then Texas A&M beat up on Texas State forty-one to seven. Why did I put all those things together? It's because those four teams are playing the two really awesome, amazing games next week. Uh, the the sort of through line of those four games, and what I was looking for, because this is what I was told to watch for by coaches, is that they all won and they basically showed nothing. They didn't have to put any cards on the table, with the exception of if you had to show one thing, it was definitely LSU. Joe Burrow, uh, his stat line is fine, twenty-three or twenty. 27 for 2278 278 yards. He did throw five touchdowns, which by the way, Jason, that's a school that tied a school record. That's how awesome that LSU's been on offense for the past century. Um the one thing that LSU people were freaking the hell out about was that 14 players caught a pass, which I did, which I believe is a school record now. So um, this is a really big deal. The thing that I was told to look for that which which definitely happened, and I was kind of surprised they showed as much as they did, was that Joe Brady basically took a lot of that New Orleans Saints playbook, and that's what lSU's doing now
1: Do, is, is the fourteen receivers thing? is that popular because of the quote that, like last year we didn't have many receivers, and now oh, yeah. evidently you have fourteen?
0: I, I, based on what I know about LSU fans, I think there was it was probably a general incredulity at the idea that 14 people were allowed to catch a pass during a game, like a single game. I think someone probably thought that was like an illegal type thing. Like, all right, you five touched it. That's it for the rest of the day.
1: We're, we're going 14 wide.
0: Uh, so number 17, let's talk about the egg bowl. Cause they love to, they love it when you put them together like this. Um, so, okay. As we close out here, we're just going to kind of put everything in the context of week one. All right. So I personally think Mississippi state that a 38, 28 win sl- kind of on the road, whatever neutral site game in the Superdome against Louisiana Lafayette. I think that was week one rust. And the reason why is Tommy Stevens had 200-ish yards passing and Kylan Hill had 200 yards running. Exactly. That is what Joe Moorhead does really, really well. And that's the kind of stat line where they would just kill it at Penn State. I think they're going to be fine. I think they were a little rusty. And ULL is actually a pretty good Sun Belt team. Ole Miss sucks. Uh, it's terrible. Uh, feel free to stop me when I, I'm running out of uh, expert things to say. But the bottom line is this. The NCAA works like a rubber band and the sanctions always hit you on the lines. The lines are now gone. So you lose like Greg little who gets drafted by the Panthers. And like, I think the first or second, I think it was the second round and you replace him with a kid. No one's ever heard of. This is now the problem in Oxford. Also they hired rich Rodriguez who likes to run like a lot of lateral stuff behind the line of scrimmage. They got smacked by Memphis.
1: Phil Longo had a good day on offense.
0: Hey, he's coaching at North Carolina. Um, the Dallas, I had to, not the Dallas. I had, I had to include this. The Detroit Free Press reported that Miss that Michigan State was booed, quote, multiple times while on offense in a twenty-eight to seven win. Uh, I actually dug this game up because of the stat that Tulsa ran for negative seventy-three yards, which was a record. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in a twenty-eight to seven win for Michigan State, the offense was booed because. Uh, the, the Spartans only scored, I think one touchdown on offense. The rest was, it was four field goals, I believe. Uh, and then, uh, PATs and then defensive touchdowns. So basically everything is extremely Michigan State. Right what now. are
1: they booing? Have they not seen this before? This is, Appa- well, so apparently they were promised a brand new offense.
0: Oh, I'm serious. This was like an offense. Yeah. Yeah. Game. Yeah. yeah. Is, is yeah. it,
1: was this the year they, they did the um, musical chairs with the assistant coaches or was that last year?
0: uh yes i believe okay I believe every year yeah there's a there's a steady rotation on offense as there should be at michigan state because god forbid someone perform a michigan state offense for one year and then the head coach goes hey that was good do that again uh number 20 uh again week one context guys i thought i was i i was very wrong about fiu everyone told me all off season they were going to be like a like an emerging power in the sun belt um and I, I was also wrong that Tulane switched offenses just to be cute and to better market themselves because, like, even if that was the case, uh, Tulane looked awesome, eight yards per play, 15-19 uh, passing. And, again, it was, like, one of those deals where they had a ton of rushing yards. I don't have it in front of me, but they looked great. Will Hall's the new offensive coordinator, uh, rising star, watch out for him, all that. But, like, Tulane kicked ass, and FIU looked absolutely terrible.
1: Yeah, Tulane could uh, make a challenge in the West there.
0: They uh, they are doing things, and I know that uh, Willie Fritz would die for a P5 job, so just keep that in mind. All right, number 21. Um, I didn't watch this game, Jason. I don't know if you did, but it's definitely worth mentioning Nevada had a 27-7 to second half upset. They came back and beat Purdue 34-31. to um, I don't really know what this means. This could just be a really great example of week one, and that it was a... It was a night game. Purdue goes out to Reno. Everybody gets their stuff together. It doesn't really matter. And then Nevada has like a pretty good year and Purdue just moves on. It could mean something bigger than that. I'm not really sure, but it's definitely worth mentioning because we all had like projected Jeff Brom to like the Dallas Cowboys all off season. So. Sure.
1: It, it was kind of a, a window kind of thing. Now he's yeah. got to rebuild around Rondale Moore. Did you see the field goal? At least
0: I did see the field goal. Okay.
1: Uh, I think that's all you really needed
0: yeah. to see. That was pretty much it. Field goal. Uh, locker room celebration kicker gets a scholarship. I think all kickers should kick for a scholarship and then, and then subsequently lose the scholarship. We're players rights advocates here at banner society, but I do feel like kickers should just constantly live on the Mendoza line.
1: Kickers aren't people.
0: They, they're imported labor. Um, okay. Another possibly like week one thing. Uh, maybe it's great. Maybe it's a disaster. I don't know, but it was really fun to watch Wyoming beat Missouri 37 to 31. Um, this was a fluky game, and I've learned this from one Bill Connolly that this may be hard to draw any kind of conclusion from when Missouri had a fumble at the one-yard line, that Wyoming returned 79 yards, they had another fumble return for a touchdown, they had an interception um, at the 17-yard line. All of these things killed drives, stalled out. Kelly Bryant was good, but he was not Herculean or Christ-like by any measure, and Wyoming just they threw the ball 92 yards. That was it. They just ran all over their ass.
1: This all sounds sustainable. You you can draw that up. Seventy nine fumble, fumble seventy nine yard fumble return. Yeah,
0: that, you can do that every week in the Mountain West. I don't know. You might be able to. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, then number uh, twenty three, possibly not a week one thing, just to watch out for in the group of five. Uh, this this one kind of flew under the radar. UAB looked really bad against Alabama State. They won twenty four to nineteen, but the difference was a kickoff return. Um, they had this crazy stacked roster, right, where they had the four year eligibility window on transfers. That is all stopping now, and so they had this crazy, crazy deep roster as they built back from the completely unjust bullshit uh, Paul Bryant Jr. orchestrated thing where Alabama got rid of them. So that was all awesome, but this is more just sort of kind of like a be on the lookout for. I don't know if they're going to win eleven games this year if if that first game was any indicator.
1: It's kind of like the year four thing with a startup, right? Like a UTSA or or whoever, where you know that fourth year is pretty special, and then hey, now you're a startup again.
0: All right, we're actually right on pace. Uh, the thing you didn't know, I didn't write it down, but the thing you didn't know is that did you, first off, did anybody watch Oklahoma State, Oregon State on Friday night? I feel like.
1: No, the- it was on pretty late.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and it was a Pac 12 game, it's a scooter So, scooted by. so here's, here's my one thing this week for number 24 that you didn't know. Uh, they had to delay the game, Jason, not for lightning, not for a travel issue, which is what happened with the Arizona Hawaii game last week. Uh, coaches got stuck in the elevator after halftime. So they had to delay the second half of this game. Not that it mattered at all, obviously. It was a very Oklahoma State game, you know, where they they scored a bunch of points and then they gave up like 30 throughout the stretch, mainly in the third and fourth quarter, but it was fine. So uh, I have not heard of this ever happening as far as I know in terms of a real-time situation. I'm, I do a lot of the press boxes. I try and do less and less, but they always hold the elevators and press boxes for the coaches. I've never heard of an elevator getting stuck.
1: Well, I mean, you know, the Pac-12, is, it's orderly, it's, it's, it's chop-chop, it's a tightly run ship, so as all right. we all know.
0: Number 25, Jason Kirk, as sort of master of week-to-week narrative for Banner Society, you're always very good at contextualizing things. You have 30 seconds. Is the SEC bad?
1: <laughs> the SEC is a collection of football teams, just like any other conference. Uh, a few of them are bad. Some of them are really good. Most of them are right in the middle. Uh, and we're forced to spend a whole lot of time thinking about how these teams who, ha- who share a logo... Uh, how much uh, sway they have on each other's quality. The answer is very little. And uh, that goes for every conference.
0: Perfect timing, sir. We have five seconds left. I don't even know what to do with myself. Um, Perhaps we should all just maybe wait until like, I don't know, next week. There we go. Beautiful. All right, sir. Uh, Jason Kirk, thank you very much. Uh, audience, we will see you guys this week for the Tasting Menu. This has been Podcast Ain't Play Nobody.